Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Good morning, traders. I hope you guys are ready for pre-market prep. Yes, Spencer Israel is in Vegas enjoying it. We'll get some reports from the ground in Vegas, but... First things first, let's get into the market today. Today we got uh, overnight, we'll talk about the stock futures. We're going to talk about the end of the quarter fireworks, China's full access, GME stock split. We'll get into a little bit of the treasuries. We do got a guest today, Raggy Horner, Managing Director of Futures at Simpler Trading. So just stick around, guys. We have a great show. We'll get into some ticker time so you guys can throw some stocks in the chat. And of course, let's get pre-market prep started. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, all right. Get the guys going here. Got Dennis Dick, Joel Conan. How are you guys doing this morning? Uh, doing well, Mitch. Doing well. Let's uh, do a quick rundown of uh, the futures and got a lot of topics to cover today. S&P's up 1950 at 4550 and a quarter. Crude down a buck 50, 9878. Uh, gold and silver going the same way, lower. Uh, gold down 2060, 1933.40. Silver down 29 cents, 24.84. Um, Bitcoin, that's trading lower too by $645 at uh, 45,090. And Ethereum futures, they're down just a couple bucks here, 32.9150. So, Dennis, you, you, you were complaining about uh, things being boring and closes and not much going on after exciting. hours. Yeah, and we had some, ex we had a very exciting close again. So uh, twice in March, we had the option expiration close, which obviously the big Shopify gap up at the end was probably uh, what everybody talked about the most from that. But uh, we had a wild close yesterday, too, um, and selling balances across the board. And you can see what the S&P futures did and the SPY did in the last 20 minutes. They just dumped and dumped and dumped. And they were dumping everything. And there was gap downs on the close, some big ones. I wrote a few of them down. I got a few of these. Microsoft was trading around 309.50. Then I got filled at 308.31. Gap down a buck on the closing print. Was immediately back up. I was in the trade for less than 10 seconds, I think. Um, and, and made a point on it by buying the close with the LOC order limit on close. And then um, there was just a ton of them. Uh, Apple had gapped down. Amazon gapped down on the closing print. Uh, go across the board. It was pretty much everything gapping down the closing print. And we never looked back. I mean, SPY gapped down. And on the closing print, and it literally a minute later, it was up 10 handles from there because it it was all just the, that, that huge amount of institutional selling that, boom, 
gaps it down. The stocks really wanted to be here, though. That's just all those sellers. So they wash them out. And then, you know, the stocks uh, lift back up. And we've been seeing this lift back up overnight and continuing, too. So it never touched uh, that close once again after 4 o'clock. Yeah, I mean, you can see it. Uh, a lot of stocks, uh, a lot of traders leading into that uh, that closing print. If you got the closing print, then it was You're good laughing. if you were trying to cover mm -hmm. short. Some of the dynamics have changed a little bit now. There's been some news on Microsoft regarding the... Um, the Activision deal, little worries about that, but uh, yeah, I mean, and we're just—it's—it's it's funny because like I look at the close, I'm like forty-five, thirty, seventy-five. I'm like, that's not the close. I mean, you know, it was immediately up ten handles. So it was immediately up ten handles, and that's again, you know, what we do at Bright Training—we provide liquidity into that. Meaning, you know, we'll buy into when you see stocks gapping down for order flow reasons. I'm usually willing a, a, a willing participant to provide liquidity into that, meaning I will buy into that close. And the way you do that, again, is the limit on close order. You know, this isn't stuff they talk about in other shows because most traders don't understand the different types of order types. But you put an LOC. Let's just take you through the Microsoft example. So I have, a, I have an algorithm that probably sent out a, a couple hundred stocks. So and I got filled on a couple. I, I got filled on quite a few. Uh, but what it does is, you know, you see this huge selling pressure going to the close. Like, okay, I want to want to buy this close because this is just washing out from the huge imbalances that we can physically see on book. And so I think my LOC for Microsoft was probably 310. And I sent that out earlier, maybe 309 and a half. So I put a, a limit on close order, 309 and a half. It trades through that during the regular session. That's fine. You still won't be executed. So you can have your 309 and a half. It can trade 309.40, but it's marked LOC. So it's only going to execute on the closing print. So if the closing print is obviously uh, below where your LOC buy is, you're going to be executed. So I'm at 309.50. Stock closes, boom, 308. Um, where was it closed? 308.31. I get filled immediately. And then you can look and you just bring it up. And this bids are already at 309.50 because they haven't even moved from where ARCA and, and NASDAQ um, you know, were from the from the pre from the regular session to the after hours session so you know that gap down the only way to participate in that is to actually have the order out there sitting out there with that limit on close order boom it was definitely some fireworks at the end of the day uh we saw it come on down we'll be watching to see what happens here out the gates of course jobs number coming out at 8 30 we'll be watching to see if we get some fireworks off of that number uh let's get into some of the chinese names we got a lot to talk about in there uh yep. china full access uh report getting put out today chinese authorities are preparing to give the u.s full access to auditing reports of the majority of 200 plus uh, companies listed on the New York Stock Exchange uh, by mid this year. So uh, making a rare concession to prevent kind of the these two uh, economies. And we've had questions about these companies. And today you're seeing a little bit of a lift coming into BABA. But I'm going to actually point us towards first the automakers because they do have Catalyst also to touch on. So LI uh, is rallying here 6.6%. Uh, they reported 31,716 vehicle deliveries in March, more than double uh, kind of year-over-year -year totals uh, from last March. And then NIO also uh, coming out with their deliveries of 9,985 vehicles in March, an increase of 37.6% from a year ago. Uh, NIO's shares were jumping to over 5% in the pre-market. 
And what do you guys feel about these? You've Chinese got stocks? every Chinese stock, and they don't care about the deliveries. They care that it's a Chinese stock right now. And you have every Chinese stock trading up because of the 5:30 headline breaking from Bloomberg, which I don't know if you can show it in the pro, Mitch. Yeah. If you want to show the headline, just read it right there. But I can read you the headline from the pro, um, which is the reason that all these Chinese stocks are really lifting now. And it's that shares of U.S. traded China stocks are spiking following Bloomberg report that China weighs giving U.S. full access to audits of most firms. So this was the concern. This is why the U.S. has threatened to delist some of these companies, because they're not allowing our auditors to go in and check their books. So, you know, we know we have gap accounting. Um, they have their own accounting methods over there. So we want to see, hey, you know, are these companies really making the money that they're making, doing what they're doing according to our accounting principles? And the China has never allowed us to do that. They're talking about potentially doing that. This was the reason that these companies were potentially going to get delisted. So it's not surprising you get news and we don't know what to believe, whether this is true or not, but the algorithms are going to just run with this headline here. And that's why Alibaba trading up 6.7% here today. That's why Baidu trading up 8.5% today. That's why the FXI, so that's all of them, is up 4.91%. You're a Chinese stock, you're trading higher on this because the, the potential for auditors to go in would take all those concerns away about the delistings. The real question is, is this uh, an April Fool's joke? Ha! I never even <laughs> thought about that, Mitch. That would be a that would be a crazy April Fool's joke. Not even funny at all, Mitch, but um, <laughs> it, it very well might not be true. So we know what comes out over there. You know, somebody talks, oh, yeah, we'll talk about it. But I didn't say they're going to do it. They said they're talking about doing it. So, I okay. mean, what does that mean? Yeah, no, nah, we're going to pass on that. And then we go right back to the whole delisting problem. So we don't know what the next headline is going to be. We can only trade the current headline, but the current headline is bullish for those Chinese names. And if you're trading those Chinese names at 530, show the chart, Joel, the Baba, the Bobster. I mean, you can see it in the FXI too. You can clearly see it in the FXI, but they all blast off on that Bloomberg report. They were trading higher with the overall market. And then boom, that report comes out from Bloomberg and obviously significantly higher in the next in that next bar you can circle maybe point to it joel we're looking yeah at the top i got, left a, chart. I got an arrow you can see it right there yeah that's yeah. the smallest arrow i've ever seen in my life i didn't even know that was an arrow but <laughs> <laughs> that's okay uh you can see the big bar we're talking about that is the move off that bloomberg headline obviously this is uh significant yeah definitely uh something to definitely keep watch as these stocks were kind of in a, a little bit of a battle baba even had that gap down that i was looking to see if it was going to fill but right back on up today yeah they had, they had a little momentum they had a higher 4 a.m open uh and then you know they, they moved with the the s&ps too and uh the s&ps were moving up so a couple catalysts before the actual news came out so uh, nice move in uh, these stocks all right, let's go ahead towards what I, I think everybody wants to talk about a little bit. As you guys see from my shirts, I got a little bit of crazy eyes on out there. Uh, this what isn't is a bull that? there. You, you see it? It's my it's my crazy cow shirt. This it's for the cow, cow guy. Shirt. It's the cow guy. It's yeah, just I, the cow guy now. You know, you know, you, you got to be a little bull. You see these little horns? Little bull coming out there. We'll see what happens. But uh, let's take a look. GME, guys, uh, news coming out, guys. Oh, wow. Stock split 
what they're kind of talking about is similar to what Tesla was looking at. Uh, they're seeking a stockholder approval for an increase yeah. of the common stock of 300,000 shares up towards a million shares, and then using part of that to go ahead and kind of split in form of a stock dividend there. Um, they also left room there that they could use some of this money for other reasons. So I do want to mention that. So we'll, we'll definitely see what happens here in GME, but pushing in after hours. Big time pushing here in after hours. Um, honestly, like you look and you think, okay, they're not going to run the stock on company fundamentals. The earnings don't appear to be taking off anytime soon. So if you're in there, you're like, well, what can we do to get the stock price higher? Now it's a stock split and everybody like, oh, stock split. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I mean, this company and, you know, obviously they don't talk a lot, you know, so they're just, you know, it's kind of almost closed. Don't even know. They do the five minute conference calls. They don't take questions. But I mean, we know it's been disconnected from fundamentals for a long time. The fundamental story will not drive price. So they keep got to doing other things to drive price. Joel calls it financial engineering, which is pretty much what it is. People like stock splits. They're talking about a stock split. They're going to move it up on it. I mean, I don't know what to say on this story. It's it, People say, should I short it? You, this thing can go wherever it wants. When stocks are completely disconnected from fundamentals, they can go wherever they want. It's all on story. GameStop trades on story. Story cools off. Stock starts to come down. Story gets hot again. I mean, they're going to talk about it 100 times today on CNBC. The stock split, the stock split, the stock split. But, I mean, you're getting a lift on a stock split. The stock doesn't even need a stock split. It's a $166 stock. There's a million other $166 stocks out there. So I think it's ridiculous that they're splitting the stock, but I get it because that's how they drive the price. They get the story going again. So am I buying it? No, never. Sorry. Uh, it snuck over 200 there, uh, and that's quickly repelled off 200. So sellers at 200. Yeah, it's hard to talk about all this stuff. It's it's actually, it's disappointing to me almost, you know, that this stuff happens where you're getting the company that's literally trying to manipulate the prices higher, in my opinion. So whatever. I mean, GameStop, it's been disconnected forever. AMC lifted up with this last night. That's what you got to know is the other ones lift up with this, Bed Bath & Beyond, but they're not holding up as well. Like AMC lifted big time last night. Bed Bath & Beyond lifted like over $24 last night. And now it's at 23 only, 22.86. So it's giving them back a lot of it here. So that's somewhat concerning there. If I was trading GameStop, I'd ring the register, but I would have rang the register a hell of a long time ago. So um, it's, you know, obviously, you know, we don't know what the next headline is going to be breaking from that. Maybe it's going to be NFT stories. Maybe it's going to be whatever buzzword they can come up with. Um, so, and that obviously gets the algorithms all excited and they start buying it up. And then gets retail all excited and they start buying it up. It's its own animal, it does its own thing. It's a stock that I typically trade, stay away from unless I'm just doing a GME AMC pair trade. <laughs> Joe, what do you see out there on these? Uh, big fades, as Dennis mentioned. I mean, there's not going to be a stock split in triple BY or AMC. So got some overhead supply from the last two days and uh, major overhead supply from when the Ryan Cohn, when they ran it to 30. So. Don't not sure if you're going to see your pre-market highs. Like is that. Ryan Cohen on the board there saying how can we get the price higher? Like we don't know behind the scenes and saying do a stock split that'll do it. Like I don't know what is happening in those board meetings. You know, Did obviously they... we can't know anything like that. But you know, I I I don't get you know I don't get the whole I don't get any of it. 
I've never got it. You know, maybe that's it. And, you know, obviously I didn't make a lot of money off of it either. I know you did well in the GME for a while there, Joel. You did really well on it. Yeah, but I, you know, this isn't my cup of tea. I, I would have to find the graph, but I did see a statistics out there that said in an inflationary environment, often you see those stock splits. So I think it could be also, like you're saying, some financial engineering of how to work your way around in this environment. Um, but definitely one of the things to kind of keep on watch is when it's in the limelight, we want to make sure that we're taking at least a look on these stocks because they could run today. With just a, a little bit of movement, and like you guys are saying, it's going to be mentioned on a lot of media sites today about the stock split. And yeah. a lot of people aren't probably going to do the real research to understand that how is this stock split really coming into the market? Well, it doesn't do anything. I mean, a stock split, and that's the biggest thing, too, you know, for people to consider is that a stock split really doesn't change anything. The price falls by the amount. All this is the hype and the excitement around a stock split. But when you're split like Amazon and Google, it's allowing retail traders to access prices that maybe they couldn't trade because if you didn't have, you know, and obviously we've talked about, you know, fractional shares, uh, but before fractional shares existed, it's like, okay, well, retail trader $500 can't even buy a share of Amazon. So that kind of makes sense when you all of a sudden, you know, allow access to a whole different group of investors. But what the hell? It's $166 stock. How many stocks are $166 on this exchange, Joel? hundreds 500 yeah yeah. and are they all gonna split you know like i just think the timing of it is suspect too the stock runs up then it starts to leak for three days and the board's like oh what can we do here (laughs) i can get the price higher i honestly think that's going on behind the scenes i know nothing i'm not there on the meetings but when you see a split i was like what is the other what's the purpose of this other than to try to get your stock price to go higher so i think you should try to grow your stock price become by you know growing earnings coming up with you know better ideas than doing stock splits and that's why berkshire hathaway we obviously very much you know look at warren buffett who um you know has never split his berkshire share a shares ever he finally did do the b a number of years ago but i mean he grows through earnings the way you're supposed to do so i think you're putting gamestop in your long-term portfolio taking a huge risk i think gamestop even your short-term portfolio you're taking a huge risk um it's just not not for me all right, let's go ahead. Let's transition here. I'm trying to keep us going. We got a lot of topics to go. Yeah, we've got the jobs stuff. number two, Dennis. Exactly. So, so uh, that, that'll be in about 10 minutes. Let's get into sure. treasury yield inversion here. Five and the 30 yield uh, inverting for the first time since 2006 uh, on Monday. And then you got the five and, and the 30 again on Friday, once more uh, raising fears of recession. But I did want to bring in here a graphic from a, none other than Ryan Dietrich. He's on all the time IP, IPL Ryan. research here. So let me go ahead and bring this graphic on the screen here. This is all about the yield and curve inversion. This is for the two and the 10. Just want to talk about that. But you can see here, guys, the average SPN, SMP 500 index return is about 28.8% here. Uh, so you bulls out there, I know that you guys are probably, uh, you know, the bears are talking out there about recession, but there you guys see the return. But what I'm really focusing on here is more the number to the right hand side of this, which is the month till bull uh, market peaks. And you see on average here, 17.1 months after the market peaks. So we're talking about a year and a half on average from these levels. So what do you guys think based on these stats? Did we get the official inversion? Did it actually occur here yet? Because they were anticipating that it was going to invert. I believe it did occur yesterday, somebody said. 
it uh, officially it started on Thursday um, and has been moving back and forth. So that's the problem too. I give that... absolutely zero, <laughs> zero weight to this. It's a story for the media to talk about. And thank you, Ryan Dietrich, for showing that. Oh, oh stocks and ver- we got problems. And you just showed four times for four. The market was up on that. So, yeah. I mean, everybody's speculating the market's going to tank because the yield curve's inverting. They obviously didn't do their homework because the other four times it went up. It's, a, it's, there's, you know, if you're looking, if you're trying to trade stocks yeah, off a yield curve inversion, you know, that we haven't seen in or invest. 2019, you're, you're, you're in the wrong game because this stuff is not going to move price. Uh, and honestly, in my opinion, you know, like it's it, maybe it does, but you to, for you to even anticipate the correct move, everybody's talking like it's going to be the end of the world. And here, four for four, it's up going, you know, for, by Ryan Dietrich's stats. So, I mean, this is just useless information, absolutely useless. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I wouldn't even uh, brought it up on the show today if it, you know, that's all I give good substance. I mean, I guess the only thing if you want to, you know, if you if you want to, uh, Look at it, you know. The last, you know, it was nineteen months, twenty-two months, twenty-one months, and then it was five point eight months. So when I look at that statistic, you know, that that's what kind of jumps out to me. But uh, you can't be worried about inflation and a recession at the same time. So it's gonna, you know, one of the, let's run the course of inflation and then see what that does to the economy. I, doesn't make much sense to me. Yeah, I think I thought it was really interesting. Just the seventeen months. I mean, seventeen months is no. That's the average, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's not even like. I mean, we're not talking about this year. We're talking way further out in time. So uh, I think this is what also gets me to the point that you know where are we going to see if we're going to see kind of the market kind of continue? I don't think you can just point down directly down because of this. So of course we need to continue to see what happens with the fed and interest. So rates. many other factors in the mm-hmm. market, so many other catalysts, so many, For you know, sure. so, I mean, in, in each one of those um, environments was a, a different economic environment, um, different geopolitical circumstances. So, uh, but I mean, they like to talk about it. So That's it. They give them something to talk about. Isn't that a song? <laughs> uh, I don't it is. Know. Let's give them something to talk about. It was a joke. Okay, bad joke. All right, let's go ahead. We're going to be watching to see what happens in the jobs numbers. That's going to be coming out in just a few little bit. We got about seven minutes. Seven minutes. That uh, economists expect about four hundred and ninety thousand jobs were added in March, following six hundred and seventy-eight thousand payroll additions in February. So just going to give you guys those expected numbers so that you guys can watch when the number hit the tape. Of yeah. course, you guys can keep watch on this also on Benzinga Pro as it hits the tape. So definitely two free t- trial. Just go to pro at benzinga.com. Check it on out, guys. Stick with us. I know Dennis might drop off and, and pay attention to that job. I will, and if you think, give you another three minutes, though. No worries. Let's go ahead. I want to take a look at some of the utilities. I feel like this has been a sector that a lot of people have been missing the move on up. Um, Joel was talking about it a, off, a lot on at the close yesterday, how we were seeing some of these moves. And I mean, look at the XLU there. Uh, if you compare it to kind of all the sectors, um, a lot of times, and, and I saw a stat on this that in portfolios, this is usually the smallest uh, percentage in the diversity of portfolios and you could see it's been a, a major winner this year um what about you joel i wanted to ask you is this is uh do you have a lot of energy 
And, uh, and that's least, I was just going to say. Uh, not not enough. Uh, I think they're just lumping it into the uh, into the energy sector and uh, what's going on. They just pull it along with it. Um, maybe a little bit of a, a flight to quality. Um, you know, get that dividend. Well, yeah, maybe inflation seven eight percent, but some of these stocks, the yields are still coming down. And if there's a look to throwing it into the energy and utilities, I mean, they've been you know over the years. I know a lot of people that have been you know underperform the market with utilities but then when the market goes down utilities have been a little bit more of a safe haven and and now if you've been a long-term investor in them you know reinvesting dividends and things like that i don't know i mean these are really unusual moves i've never seen it's been overbought for a long time yeah safety trade um it it doesn't make sense in a rising interest rate environment not at all no but this is the market that doesn't make any sense so it does what it wants to do i mean right now Safety trade, we're concerned, obviously, with the Ukraine situation. People feel safe in utilities, and that's why they continue to go up. So it's a safety trade in the overall. And overall, obviously, 2022 has been a risk-off year. So it's not surprising in that way that utility stocks are strong. But in a rising interest rate environment, why would I want to put Makes my money no in sense. a 4% utility stock when interest rates are going straight up for cash? So, I mean, you're still losing to inflation in a 4% utility stock. So. I, I yeah, we talked to Mark about it yesterday, and um, you know he kind of he kind of just shrugged his head too. But uh, you know, price don't lie; things going up. I mean, I've never seen uh, Duke make uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight higher lows, eight higher highs, probably eight higher close, seven of eight higher closes there. So uh, we'll see. I don't, doesn't look uh, maybe just keep an eye on that all time closing high one eleven sixty six. If you guys are if you guys worried about taking some profits in these, always uh, always keep an eye on uh, the closing price. Um, one area that I think most people aren't watching in utilities is water plays here. Look at VWTR. I talked about this one on Money Mitch. Uh, water plays are actually getting a big wow. boost on up. Um, if you take a look at that one, that one's leading right now, but it's not the only water play. Uh, there's a What's the symbol of, on that one? Uh, Victor... Uh, Washington Tango Romeo. Okay. And so the, I don't follow you, that company at all. You're going off the board. Small. No worries. I got some other ones here. Um, you got uh, CWCO. Like I look at MWA SPS. Mueller. There you go. That's that's your that's your water play. It, it's one. There's 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 quite a few of them out there too. I mean, they they should be moving all with the utility stocks to a certain extent. You would think. What else do you got on the list? I'll give you the biggest one: AWK. Yeah, AWK. Yeah, America, that's what I when I was trying. I to got you. I got that's you. I can go up. through the top. That's for moving up with the utilities in the last month. Yep. Yeah, not much though. Not as much as wow. Well, I don't know. Maybe a catch up. Don't need there. water anymore. It looks like it, I guess. <laughs> no, I think what it is is also is um, it, it, there's been talks of that kind of inflationary trade also starting to hit kind of different assets. I think this could be another asset that you start seeing some higher inflation. So I, I am just kind of pointing this out because I, I did see and I and I look all the time. I look at my industry uh, kind of tapes here and I'll show you guys exactly what I've been seeing here. Um this is this is important for me keeping up with those industries and so i saw this just taking off 
Uh, so you guys can see here, this is the overall industry and in regulated water really taking off in the last kind of 17 days up about 10%. So just to kind of put another area on your radar than just regulated electricity or diversified uh, utilities. All right, let's go ahead. Uh, we got about one minute there, Dennis, for the yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just head off for a few minutes, make Melanie happy in the chat, and I'll be back. <laughs> All right, I'll go ahead and I'll let Dennis uh, kind of hang out, and I'll, I'll put him in the back. Dennis, just give me a thumbs up when you're ready. All right, let's go ahead. Let's look at the jobs number and see how it hits tape here. Um, any any expectations, Joel? I, I mean, the jobs. I mean, the job market has not been moving as much on the jobs number. The the, uh, the employment unemployment's been low for a while. So, mm -hmm. just look to see if you can get some follow through from the uh, from the pre market action. Uh, you can spot your highs and lows here. Everyone's pretty quiet. Like I said, uh, we've been moving more off the uh off the uh cpi data and we've been moving off the ppi data and uh, basically everything that comes out of powell's mouth is what we've been moving on so uh we'll see what, uh, right. what the market has in store for us moments away seeing something hit the tape right now here really tight no one's even no one's Boom. even gunning it ahead of time you see the, all right the looks like it's pretty tight U.S. non-farm uh, payrolls coming in here at 431,000 versus 490,000 uh, estimated here. Prior was 678. <laughs> um, let's go ahead. Let's take a look at some of the other ones. Hit the tape here. Uh, looks like unemployment rate for March at 3.6 versus 3.7 estimate. So a, a little light, a little light here. Um, not, not looking too bad there. How wow. are we looking on the action there? I, I in in my hundred yeah. years of following the markets, I have never seen the S and P's and the spider move less off a jobs number. Right? I feel like it, I it, mean, usually the, the, you see a quick move. No, I mean, and no, no one's even being being faked out on it. Um, you know, the primary concern here is, in, I mean, this is Dennis is going to be back on in like twenty eight seconds here, uh, <laughs> but um, now you ready. No. He's ready. Yeah. You see? <laughs> I made the first trade right <laughs> off the thing. <laughs> he made the I trade. just wanted to see if it was open. So I threw a, I threw 100 shares of SPY to say, are we, are we open? You wanted to make sure it was open? <laughs> Is the market slow, open? Man. Right, we're, we're leaking a little bit here. We're leaking a little bit. Yeah, it's starting to leak a little bit. Yeah, there. yeah. But um, I see uh, I see Roggy on the, in the back on there. and. Yeah. uh why don't we bring her on a few minutes early and uh, and uh, get get her take on uh, on the jobs number? Let's go ahead and do that. All right, so let's go ahead. Uh, let me put up the banner here. Let's go ahead and bring on Raggy Horner, managing director of futures at Simpler Trader. I'm happy to go ahead and bring her on. This is the first time I get to interview in here, so welcome to the show. Hey, good, nice to meet you, and thanks so much. What? What is going on? Someone give this market it's just a we need a what is a that? Jolt, right? There you go. Someone get the defibrillator for this market. <laughs> Let's get it. All right. So right now we're seeing a, a little bit of dropping on those far uh kind of the, the jobs number but um let, let's talk about uh kind of the overall kind of market you saw a drop yesterday going into the close a lot of the sectors looking weak do you feel that that was a little bit of kind of more profit taking at the top 
end of month shenanigans, end of quarter shenanigans. There's that uh, typical three days before the close tendency for the redemptions. Uh, you know, I think the interesting move was that you know, I'm looking at my charts right now, taking a look at, say, the NASDAQ, which I'm the most bearish in. You know, as long as those 10-year yields are heading higher, it's just the easiest for me to focus on shorting tech. We saw that rejection right around 15,000, 15,050. And, you know, even through the Asian session, even through this morning pre-market, we're just sitting below, you know, for those of you that look at secret squiggles, right? You look at that 200 EMA that we've just been moving below. And, and to see this moving lower, this is, this is frankly what I want to see because I straight up did not participate in any of that FOMO MOMO. It just didn't make any sense to me, waited for a ceiling. So I feel like I'm finally getting a trade after 10 or 12 days of bullishness. I got to say uh, the patience there, it, I, I, I thank you on the patience because I was in the same chair. I was here and thinking, what? I'm, I'm seeing, feeling illogical right now. And so when I feel those types of moments, what I try to do is a lot is just put my cash back into my pocket, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so I, I respect that a lot. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of wondering now, um, we did get above kind of, I was watching the market breaths really start kind of shifting on over. You saw the 50 kind of get up there even towards the 60%. Um, I've been watching the SMA 200 getting on up there slowly. It got towards 36%, looking to see if we could ever break 40% uh, and really get a lot of these stocks in the bullish zone. Um, are you starting to see the market breath change a little bit out there? I'm going to say something that's going to sound like heresy. I actually don't look at it. That's um, important. You know, and so, and by, by I the like way, more now, Rocky. I, I don't do. look at it either. <laughs> you know, I, I know that everybody has what, all the different information that, that makes us feel confident about the process to make a decision. So I remember as a kid, my mom said, don't yuck somebody else's yum. That's me. So if that's where the confidence comes from, if that's where the information comes from, cool. What I like to do is just crack open the indices because we live in this high concentration world now. So for me, I'm looking to see if Apple wants to roll over, take XLK lower. And if that happens, those are the dominoes that I'm looking for. So for me, internals are literally internals. You know, what's, what's the index composed of? And especially in a not buy everything market, I think we have to separate the fact that I really don't want to buy a short S&P, but I want to buy a dip in the XLV. And that's kind of where I'm sitting, where there's corners of the market I would want to short or I want to buy. But the broader indices to me are just nuts. A mess. Yeah, right. Uh, Rocky, a buddy of mine showed me a, a chart of um, the dollar versus the ruble, um, you know, going back. Mm -hmm. And uh, the chart he showed me was a little bit concerning uh, because you had that the huge spike in the dollar, right, against the ruble uh, mm -hmm. when, you know, things – and uh, – it's come right back in. Mm -hmm. uh, I just I wanted to get get your take, you know. And I don't know if that's something that you trade or not, uh, but I just wanted to get your take on you know the move, and mm -hmm. then you know the counter move. So again, I want to sound a little bit like a heretic. If something's in the headlines, in terms of a macro that regard, macro headline, I just assume I'm always going to know everything at daylight. That I'm a mushroom. I'm in the dark, and I'm covered with you know what. So I just steer away from currencies like that, where, you know, I remember the Iraqi dinar was a big deal for a while. And then I, the ruble move, you're right, was just reminded me of GameStop. And so mm -hmm. if I'm looking at right now, dollar trades, 
I like the shorts against the euro. I like the shorts against the pound. I'm going to keep it nice and boring. And I'm going to keep it in such a way that I can track the central bank. I can track the data and at least have some sort of map uh, and some sort of macroeconomic trend to dovetail with the technical trend. I look at the ruble and I'm, I'm my hair is going to fall out just you know trying to trade that. And I, I, I'm a girl. I like my hair. So <laughs> I don't want wrinkles. I don't want to prematurely age. And I just look at this and go, oh, I'm going to lose 10 years of my life trading this thing. All right. Well, what a cool chart. What a cool chart. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm just looking at it and wanted to get your take on it. Um, and just going along, along those lines, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, just not try to get into geopolitical here, but Mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the move here, you know, with the war and stuff, I mean, sure. It's, it's a tactical, um, you know, on the, on the ground, but I think it's more just like, an all out assault on, on like the dollar. I think this is a, a financial war and, you know, by oil, you know, in the certain circumstances that are anything going, um, you know, they want to knock, they want to knock down the dollar. And um, I was just wondering how you're, you know, how you're looking at it, you know, fundamentally. And if you share that opinion or, you know, or do you have a contrary opinion on that? So I I think you're so right. I mean, we know that psychology, our fear, greed, you know, that's part of what's happening geopolitically. But I love the way you phrased the question. So where does that map out to logically, not emotionally? So, yeah, no, I'm with you on that. So here's how I look at any time we know that other countries might want to unseat the dollar as the reserve currency. We've seen Chinese petrol dollars. Then, you know, Russia was trying to twist uh, Europe's arm to try to do the gas deals in rubles. You know, whatever that might be, I'm going to, again, assume that I don't know all the inner workings and shenanigans behind that. But I do know this. In order to unseat the reserve currency, you've got to have something else to replace it. Right. So it can't be that there was talk about the euro once upon a time. There was this talk constantly about the yuan and there's always some other currency that's going to unseat the dollar. I don't see anything that when, you know, for example, Japan wants to buy crude oil from Saudi Arabia, they're suddenly going to do the deal in yen. You know, they're going to do the deal in dollars. And until I see transactions happening outside the U.S. steadily in another currency, there's just no reason to expect that the U.S. dollar is going to be unseated as the reserve currency. So that's the way I look at it. You know, I want to see the deals being done. Yeah. Okay, just uh, just wanna when you're talking about currencies here, we we know you've uh you've been participating in Bitcoin here and uh, <laughs> nice rally in 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 the market and uh, any you know there's no fundamentals related to it, but mm-hmm. uh, any any technicals uh, well, you would like to discuss here? You're saying no no currency is going to uh, derail the dollar. I thought Bitcoin was supposed to do that. <laughs> I I love Bitcoin, but here's the thing: I can't go. You know, I went out to dinner last night. I'm not going to be able to check out in Bitcoin. I'm not going to whip out my app. And so it's a reserve of, of, you know, it's a storage. That's fine. I mean, it's kind of new gen gold if people want to look at it that way. Here's the thing. I look at it this way. I think I've told you all. And, you know, this is when, when Spencer would, and I would start to riff, right? Um, I look at Bitcoin as the same, you know, I've mentioned when I bought Bitcoin 2016, um, I didn't know what it was. I just knew it was a it was a currency trading against the U.S. dollar. It was digital forex for all I knew. I'll be straight up. I still don't get Bitcoin, but I don't have to. And I think sometimes it's okay as a trader to say, 
I don't know what it is. I just know that that technically or from the standpoint of my cost basis, it makes sense to hold it. So when I yeah. look at it, when I look at a weekly, and I think the time horizon's a big deal. If I'm looking at a daily time frame of Bitcoin, I'm going to need a Dramamine, bottle of Dramamine on my desk. But I, I stretch it out to the time horizon that I'm looking at. A weekly, I'm still above the 200 exponential. We still seem to see some decent bottoms around 30,000. You know, I just wish my friends and family would call me when Bitcoin was at 35, not when it's at 65. And that's the problem with Bitcoin, <laughs> right? That's the problem. It's it's just that, oh my gosh, it's going through 65. We'll buy it when it revisits 30 and change. And that's not the phone call I'm getting. So I still know there's a lot of- The phone call indicator. The phone call indicator. You all get the, the same calls, indicator. I'm sure. That's the best <laughs> you know? indicator, yeah, It, for it sure. really is. It's I'm our new shoe shine boy, right? <laughs> when your hairdresser, your barber is going in there and he's Cab giving you the stock tip, driving. I got the hot stock tip. That's right, uh, right. your cell signal right there. <laughs> hey, like you said, uh, just having a little bit of exposure to it, knowing that it could keep, keep coming. Uh, I think that's definitely the way to approach it. I don't understand it either. And so uh, I've been thinking about myself starting to dip my toes, but now you see big price movement in, in Bitcoin. Have you taken any other cryptocurrency coin? So I, I bought three and, and 16. I bought um, Light, I bought Bit, and I bought something else. Oh, gosh, I don't even remember right now. I really just focused on Bitcoin because what little I did know, which frankly is not much more now, is that Bitcoin really was the reserve currency. So I looked at crypto as literally digital Forex. So I tried to ask myself, what's the dollar right in these pairs? Because I view them as pairs. What's the dollar? So what's the reserve currency? I just look at Bitcoin as the reserve currency. So that's my that's my focus. I picked some Ethereum up along the way, but my most of my holdings are in Bitcoin. And when it pulls back, you know, I'll buy a little bit. But for the most part, what I bought in 2016, I look at as dumb luck. I was expecting it to go to zero. It didn't. So it just really sometimes we just have to admit we just got really lucky and we just ride it out. So this is my lucky trade. I mean, mm -hmm. that's okay. And, and that's the speculation aspect of it. And mm -hmm. like you said, put a little bit of money into it. I mean, there's so many people that like to play these meme stocks. And I would say it's okay to do it as if you're using speculative capital and you assume, okay, I'm going to go to zero. And if it doesn't go to zero bonus, and if it makes more money for you, but if you're taking your, you know, your house and taking a mortgage out and buying a meme stock with it, you know, I don't know if I advise doing any of that stuff. So I think you can speculate in anything you want. You don't even have to understand it. I mean, that's a great point that yes. you just made is so many people want to understand every little intricacy of what they what they you know are invested in. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand half the stuff. I'm in Bitcoin, too, and I don't get it. So obviously, I sold some of it. And then I was like, well, it's just the story's not going away. So I have the FOMO, too. <laughs> you know, I don't totally get it. And I, I somewhat think, you know, eventually it could start to go away. Mm -hmm. But, you know, do you take some of your money just in case it doesn't? Maybe you do. That's something I have, you know, and you bring up a great point. At what point do I say that my purchase in 2016, let's take some off the table? I really haven't yet because my thought was just leave it alone until you get it. Once you really understand the thesis behind it, then I can start to make a more educated guess. But, you know, it reminds me when I was trading Euro dollar in the late 80s, it, I didn't even know what it was. And I was making a lot of good trades in Euro dollar. And someone said, well, what is a Euro dollar? And I said, heck, I don't know, but the price action's good. And I, I think it's okay for us traders to say that. And a lot of times I, and I love when you, you know, when I watch you all, 
we know what we know and we don't make excuses for what we don't because kind of going back to just being able to check the boxes of what we need to know to make a trade and knowing that we're never going to know all the moving parts and pieces, which is ridiculous. I guess, you know, somebody might, but the rest of them, I think are just faking it. And I just assume not fake it. So I don't know is a great answer and I love it. It's the answer that everybody's afraid to give, you know, mm-hmm. um, people don't, you know, people want to know and, you know, they're, and I know, and JC Peretz, you probably know JC too. And he's the first one, you know, when he starts getting in all the fundamentals. Like, I don't know anything about this, but I know the technicals, you know, and he jumps into what he knows. He does very well knowing what he knows and not pretending to know what he doesn't know. Mm-hmm. I, I think another way to look at it, you know, for the audience is, you know, when you all are bringing up charts, what do we know those charts are representing? The fear, the greed, the personalities, the 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 human aspects. So mm-hmm. I think all of us believe that whatever's out there, known and unknown to us, is factored into price. It's already built into price. Our our job is then to just be bullish or bearish on whatever's happening. Or even better, I think the second most important thing to I don't know is I don't have to be in the market right now. True. You know. Yeah, and moments when I feel I don't find logic, and and if it doesn't make logic, then I'd rather put my money in my pocket. Exactly, exactly. I love it. Um, we're talking about digital gold here, but let's go to actually gold. What are you mm. seeing in gold now? I'm Indian, so it's illegal for me to sell this thing. We love our gold. I think we own more gold than than central banks in India. So. Uh, my mom is always asking me, where's gold? Where's gold? <laughs> always, always. But it's, you know, when you look at gold as, you know, moving inverse to real yields, nominal yield of a bond minus the rate of inflation, kind of makes sense that it's choppy right now. I do want to be long gold. I am long gold. I love that 1900 level for a trade. Uh, but if I look longer term, where I've been buying gold the last, say, two years, has been closer to 1,700, and we've had maybe three hits at that level. So generally speaking, right now, if we can hit 1,900, I'll just look for a trade. Maybe we'll hit 2,000 again, but I can't short it. I I love the idea of a buy. I just need to buy it at the lower end of the range. That's really it. I'm definitely going to keep on watch. I've been watching gold since kind of the breakout and going to keep watching to see if we can See if, if inflation keeps rising. And, you know, I, I've never seen a move like this in gold, at least in my trading career. Uh, so definitely been enjoying l- trading some different aims. I think as long as gold keeps moving higher, I, you know, one angle that I love is looking at steel right now. So instead of GLD, I've been looking at SLX, XME. Uh, I've got a long position, VALE. So um, copper doesn't look great on the chart, but Freeport MacMoran is a great proxy. So uh, I have some skin in the game in gold, but I've been looking really more at metals and mining uh, right now, not necessarily jumping into, say, GDX and GDXJ, but you know SLX, XME, and those names. Those have been really good. Freeport MacMoran, as I mentioned before, too. I think Wrong. I know what your answer is going to be on this one, but hmm. uh, if you're going to wait and react to see, you know, for you know the uh, the pace of interest rate rate hikes. I mean, hmm. we've here, you know, two or three, and I admit I was kind of on the you know on the low red things. Now you're hearing seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I mean, um, you know, not it's definitely not transitory anymore. The inflation. <laughs> so I was just mm-hmm. wondering if uh, if your crystal ball had anything, or you're just going to roll with the punches and and see what the fed does so here's the crystal ball that i look at it's literally a crystal ball fed fund futures 
You know, the CME, yep. the CME has that great, you can Google it, FedWatch, uh, FedWatch tool, FOMC watch tool. And they've got every single meeting listed with the probabilities for where the target rate is going to be. That is unbelievably accurate. Uh, when we were going into March and everybody thought, ah, Kapowell is not going to hike rates because of Ukraine. I'm thinking based on what, you know, there's so much gut people will throw at a market I'm thinking my intestines don't make my trading decisions mm -hmm. right i want to have a clearer picture of what's being discounted what's expected and march was pretty steady just quarter point quarter point quarter point couple times it was maybe less than two or three percent hold a couple times it was maybe 20 plus percent half point height but that quarter point column stuck in there I know. just stood in now the half point for may is, uh, yeah. is all sorts of tall and awesome right now. So there's that half point expectation uh, with that quarter point definitely being the minimum. So I just take a look at that CME yeah, FedWatch tool, tool. And yeah, it's, Thank it's, you, you got it. Yeah, so you know what I'm looking at. We got the same crystal ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Spencer brings that one up all the time, too. So I got to give a shout out to that. Uh, thank you for joining us today, Raggy Horner. If you guys want to check her out, where could they find you? You know, I'm on all the typical social media, Roggy Horner, Twitter and Insta. And uh, I had my my main place, my main clubhouse is simplertrading.com. We have a, a mastery there, the Sector Secrets Mastery, and I share my trades. And, and if not, I'm just waiting for you guys to call me so I can come back on the show. There you guys have it. I, I know that a lot of people in the chat were wondering and they said, can we get you on more often? So we'll definitely be reaching on out. Appreciate you coming on today. Hey, it's great meeting you. Great meeting you. Thanks so Thank much. You. Good He's to see good you guys. Kid. All right. Let's go ahead. Let's keep it going, guys. Let's go and take some ticker time now. I want to drop in some tickers. If you guys got something that you guys want to take a look at, definitely throw it on up. I'm going to keep on watch, at least for me. I'm going to be watching some lithium plays. So, Oh, man. Uh, have they gone, Mitch? Hey, These things are just hey. blast off into orbit. Uh, LAC. I, 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 full disclosure, I am long on the THT. Uh, uh lthm uh so i do have i that am one. too we both still have that one uh that was the, i thought you sold from, it dennis i sold a piece i've still got okay. a chunk five that was the one we picked up with jason rasnick around five bucks and you said it came from gene mm -hmm. yes yep. yeah so yep. i didn't hear it from gene i heard it from jason but maybe that came from gene so anyways jason was on our show and he was buying a five i was like i'll throw some money in that five bucks and it got up to like 15. I sold a piece. And I got up to 25 and I sold another piece and I've still got a piece. So Let me know when I you was looking good on the chart, to be honest with you. It looks healthy. I don't know. I, I think it actually looks healthy. And if you think about it, I mean, we are still, the EV story is not over. The EV story is not over by far. So what, what does every EV need? It needs lithium. So LAC, which was one I had for a long time. And I finally did sell the rest of that. I wish I wouldn't have because now it's, it's taken off here again. Uh, those are my two lithium plays that I was playing. That was LTHM and LAC. Is there some other ones? Um, there are some other ones. I can give you guys some names, but I want to tell you why LAC seems like the best one here. Yeah, talk what's to me. going on is really this was all started bringing because of what the president uh, Biden started bringing the Defense mm -hmm. Act. And then you got to start taking a look at what could really get produced, right? We're looking at US produced lithium. So if you take a look at Lithium America's Thacker Pass, this is actually would be the first one that would get closest to development in the continental US. So this is why I think you're seeing that interest focused on LAC.
versus the others. But there is other players, of course, in lithium. You could take a look at a stock that's been ripping uh, X. Uh, I'll call it X back here. MP MP Materials has really been pushing lately. Um, if you take a look at that chart, look at that good looking spec, right? That's I probably mean, the best looking spec ever. <laughs> right. I, I mean, I, I got to give it to them. They they definitely have been holding their yeah. price action. Um, and then I'll go to another one. Uh, Dennis knows this one. PLL. Yeah, that's one I trade sometimes too. And that one's been blasting off in the orbit as well. I mean, yeah. these are the smaller names, so I guess they go more, right? Yeah. And, and, and there's some other ones. I like this other one that most people don't talk about. SQM. SQM? Chalet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the big thing about this one, it has diversification. It's not only lithium. And so that's why I like this one. It uh, gives you some uh, exposure to some different materials, not just only lithium. But you can see it's been also heavily trending. Look at that mm-hmm. monthly chart. Really strong stock. Really blasted off. I just wonder what the daily volume is in this one. Uh, it's it's high, Joel. This thing trades. Oh, not bad. Oh, oh no, not bad at it, all. It trades, no worries, yeah. Joel. I didn't bring you a crazy one. Uh, these uh, aren't penny <laughs> stocks. No, I pay attention to these all the time. These are the these are the ones I watch. Um, also brought up in the chat, ALB. You can take a look. Uh, at ALB that. I had, and I, th- I couldn't have messed this one up more. And I had this one back in the long-term portfolio from, I think, $68. Ooh. And I sold it and then panicked out during the COVID bubble. And yep. this was one I sold it, and it actually went lower after I sold it, but I didn't rebuy it. We know it went down to 50 I was pretty happy that I had sold around like 68, I think. And um, it just, you know, obviously COVID, you know, didn't end up being the zombie apocalypse and 80, 90, 100, 200, almost $300 later. I'm like, wow, did I ever screw that one up? That's, that's a bit, that's like, if you want like blue chip, that's the blue chip lithium play, but it's not going to move around as long as some of those smaller plays. And LTHM was the old FMC spinoff, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a spinoff. Uh, let's go towards, uh, let's take a look at maybe some of the, let's go to the EV names because there was a second there that they started looking like they were coming back into favor. A lot of this is from what I was looking at and I, I was starting to see some battery names that were coming into flavor, favor like uh, QS, but look at Tesla's move yesterday and you did see a, a down move in that. I'm trying to pay attention to Tesla really to tell me how if we're going to get maybe the favor to come back into EV because Tesla did run for a good while. Then now it's taking a little bit of a pause. But if you look at Ford and GM, it looked like they were trying to catch up to Tesla. They had a good day. And then yesterday, they just gave that all back. Uh, I'm wondering, what are you guys thinking about this chart? And what do you see, Joel? Here's the problem with Ford, GM, you know, and so much is that I still, when I sit back and I look and I, you know, look at, look at the overall environment we're in. We're mm-hmm. going to a rising interest rate environment here. There's going to be less cash here for everyone going forward. And people um, obviously are going to have to still eat. They still need shelter. They still need certain things. But big ticket items are going to get pushed away, especially with the automotives, with the way the prices have went up there. People are just like, I'll drive my truck for another couple of years. So this is the issue that all of these, you know, things face here. Um, you know, another, my buddy Jeff was telling me he's talking to a pool store guy and they've been so busy, so busy, so busy. And all of a sudden he's not that busy. And it's like, wow, what just changed? Well, you know, you were busy off the bat. You pulled all that demand forward with COVID and pools, maybe not the best example, but 
people are going to have less money for big ticket things. There's no coincidence that RH is struggling right now. We've talked about this already. Williams-Sonoma, the home builders. You can clearly see when people aren't going to be buying a new home at these prices, less people that can afford them. So even despite Lennar having that great quarter, remember when it went to $92, it's like I'd sell it because I think going forward here, it's going to be a hell of a lot less demand for home for new homes. And Lennar, they can't catch a bit. I mean, you have an S&P that's been going straight up besides the last couple of days. These stocks are still going straight down. There's separation happening here. And that concerns me. I am long a piece of GM and Ford, but that does concern me even about those that I think eventually the EV story can make these stocks get hot again. But right now, I think you're going to have a demand problem for some of these companies. Yeah, rising uh, rising input costs, right? That doesn't help either. Rising and wages. At a certain point, it's just demand destruction, Joel. I mean, yeah. at a certain point on some of these big ticket items, you're going to see less demand. Houses, right, yeah. cars, pools. Rising wages. Um, and uh, Yeah, they're going to get squeezed on both ends. This is... It's just, it, we could just stop and, you know, if you really want to put on the macro hat, though, here, this was a dead cat bounce on the S&P. And you start thinking, well, what's going to be the driver? People aren't giving up their cell phones. So, you know, that's why Apple maybe goes first, you know, back to the, the highs. You know, maybe it's like the best film because this is like this isn't even discretionary anymore. This is like essential for most people. Yeah, true. It, it really is. People aren't. This is the last thing people are giving up. But are people going to give up a new car? Yeah. That's definitely something they could get. Uh, are so, people going to stop buying houses? Yeah. The, the new houses. Yes, Mitch. For sure. 100% building new houses. I just went through it. The, the average home build in the new, new home build in the States was $492,000 now. Who's affording that? So they go from 300 to 400 to 500. All of a sudden, it's like at a certain point in time, people are like, well, it's just too expensive for me to buy a new house. I'll renovate my current house. Or, you know, maybe I'll just, you know, maybe I don't even have renovation. Maybe I'll just tough it out in my current house. Yeah. So there rent. is <laughs> definitely an issue. And you can see it in the home builders. Like, look at KB Homes. Yeah. Record earnings. $50 a share in January. It's 32 bucks. And you're like, what's going on? There's so much value here. It's trading like four or five times earnings. These were pull forward earnings. People were building new houses. They're excited to live in their house forever. People want to go out and do things now. We're getting past the virus. But it's not just that. It's people are going to have less money to spend on all these things. There's less discretionary income out there. And that's not going away anytime soon. We're going up a half, we're gonna go up another half. If they are serious about tackling this inflation issue, it's the home builders that you wanna be selling, yeah. not buying, even though they look cheap. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, in Florida, they're, they're bringing up a term, rent rich. You can only pay the rent, can't pay anything else. <laughs> There's a lot of people, and you feel sorry for the other people that are going to suffer through this. I mean, we've got a Fed, you know, that obviously was too accommodating for too long, and now inflation's happening. And and it's the little guy that really gets hurt, the person that's, you know, living paycheck to paycheck. All of a sudden, their paycheck isn't going up enough to meet their bills or to, you know, or they're really struggling. They don't have that extra income to go do fun things. So, and that starts hitting other things too. I mean, we can say we want to get out there and do stuff, but if you're struggling to pay the bills, you're maybe not going on that yearly trip. Maybe you're not doing certain things. So then that starts to hit other things as well. So you think about all these rallies we have, like why can't Disney catch a bit, Joel? They're doing a lot of things right. The parks are busy, but you know what? You go into one of those parks, 125 bucks or something for one person to get in there. I mean, that's a discretionary purchase that maybe people are going to, you know, there's still going to be lots of people. I'm not saying people aren't going to go there. 
But if if 10% of people who were going to go there decide not to go there, that's a big fall off in the earnings report. So, I mean, there's a reason here. And I own a little bit of Disney, too. I own a little bit of the stuff in the long-term portfolio for the belief that eventually these companies, you know, eventually, you know, we're going to get through all this. But the immediate impact to higher interest rates is going to hit a lot of these companies that stocks are not participating in the recent rally. I still want to go to Blizzard Beach, though. So I think. <laughs> All right. I'm going to let you guys finish things up and uh, I'll talk to you jo- later on. Joel on the Blizzard Beach. Hey. All right, I just guys. got rid of the blizzard up here where I'm in Georgian Bay. The snow has finally left. It was 52 degrees yesterday where I'm at. I'm like, this is so wonderful to actually, even though it was windy, I was like, it's just wonderful to be outside and not freezing my butt off. And, you know, I'm wonderful to not see snow. Because the snow, and still a couple little piles of snow, but I can actually see my lawn now. So, unbelievable. That, you hey, know, this, this it's winter. definitely so, good. To... The last place I want to go is Blizzard Beach. <laughs> well, well, I got a quick question here. Was it a, like a tough winter or was it a light winter? This up here it heavy? Felt, like a, felt like a long winter. It didn't long? feel like it was like the okay. toughest winter, but it just felt like it never ended. Okay. I mean, we started getting snow up in Georgia and Bay. It felt like October. You know, and then you're in October... You know, November, yeah. December, you're dumped six on. Months, January, you're dumped on. Snow. February, you're dumped on. March, you're still getting snow. I'm like, it snowed two days ago. I was like, come on, we're almost April here. Stop with the snow. So maybe I shouldn't have moved up to Georgian Bay. Maybe I should have moved down south with everybody else who's a hell of a lot smarter than I am. <laughs> hey, you stay in the winter. Don't worry, man. You, you, you own that winter. <laughs> you like the snow, though, Mitch, because you like doing oh, your yeah. snow activities up there in Denver. And, and, it, or, you got hockey, up on the hills dude. there. There's still some snow. You got real hockey up there in Canada. Uh, I don't not, know if it's not, real hockey. Not, none of this. <laughs> none of this U.S. hockey. You know, on this fake ice. You guys got literally outside. You guys go play. Well, hockey. we can do have the outdoor rinks. Yeah, that, I, I was that. skating on. I'm skating on the bay. I made an outdoor rink on the bay. So you're out there and you're like doing and you're skating on the bay. It's awesome. Hey, but it's frigid. That. I mean, it's frigid in those outdoor arenas. So you can do them, but. Then the kids are out there for like 20 minutes and they're like, nah, I want to go inside. <laughs> they're all bundled up. They're like, this is awesome out here making snowmen, skating around. And then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I'm getting cold. Go Panthers. Ooh, Dennis, what do you think about that? <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I'm not a big Florida fan. I'm, you know, Look I'm that. Oilers. So I know you're been, Oilers fan. It's no been Oilers. up and down as being an Oilers fan. It's kind of like this. So I hey, don't even know what to It's kind of like being a Florida Panthers fan, too. So don't worry. Well, th- that's the problem. We've talked about sports before. Is there's 32 teams in the league and only one can win every year. So like 97% chance you're going home unhappy. <laughs> Unless you're, well, I guess you got to cheer for those really good teams. If you're cheering for the Yankees and baseball, it's like your percentages are a lot better. But when you're a Tigers fan, been a long time you know we looked good there for a little bit with the tigers there when we had cabrera and you know those years but we never we got the world series twice but we couldn't pull it out and i don't know now it's tough hey detroit sports man uh, let's keep not going. detroit sports alliance just want to get you know we just want to stop being the worst team in the league it'd be nice to not be last <laughs> feels like last anyways all right no more sports talk you're depressing me you, you see what happened go have a good day have a good weekend you too match everyone have a great Appreciate weekend you. lovers haters we love all you guys thanks for coming out okay hey like always guys all right we're gonna go ahead up and start wrapping on up here looks like we're calling an audible looks like i need to call an audible we're gonna go straight into live trading and then we'll be getting on over to all access and 
potentially maybe going back to all live trading. We'll, we'll figure that out as we go along the way here. I hope that you guys enjoyed pre-market prep today. Raggy Horner joining us. Uh, Please give her a shout out. I think she did a great job on the show. And I saw a lot of people in the chat want to go ahead and get to know her. So look in the description below. I'll make sure I also get her kind of social links in there so you guys can find and add her. All right, let's go ahead. Let's wrap it on up here for pre-market prep. Up next, we'll be getting towards live trading. You guys want to go get on over there and see how we trade live. Join Ryan, Zunaid, and I, and who knows, maybe a little cow action will be there, and we'll see how the market trades. Right now, we are leaking a little bit into the open here. Uh, of course, the jobs number kind of helping out a little bit of that, but I am finding that we are kind of just holding sideways here. We'll see if we can get towards Monday lows, which was the concern for Joel. We'll keep watching on that, and Monday's low, just to kind of give – uh, really that level is 450.06. So that's kind of the level that we'll be watching to see if we break Monday's low. Until then, up next, you guys got live trading. Hit the like button. I do see over 1,200 uh, people here. This is how we keep this show free, guys. You know, pre-market prep is absolutely free. How do we keep it free is you guys supporting us, smashing that like button and hitting the share button, letting everybody know that this is the best pre-market show that there is out anywhere i mean you guys tell me what's better there's nothing better than pre-market prep see you next time guys and up next you guys got live trading Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.